Turn to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. This um, passage, it's one of those passages that's <laughs> obviously been there for a long time. I just never saw it like this. So um, I, I pray the Lord bless what I'm going to say to your heart and think about some things that are being said. Think about today. Think about your life, your life in the future as you go to work as you try to get ahead or pay bills, but uh, don't be too ambitious. That's uh, the sign of, I think, the sign of a worldling is they always looking for something. Always, as I, I may remember, uh, grass is always greener on the other side, and it's not. It's not. Uh, you know, Bruce could tell you the same thing. There's jobs that we'd enjoy. There's jobs that we had. There's jobs that we had to have to take care of our families. But there are some things, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. If it takes you away from the gospel, if it takes you away from the gospel, the first question I'd ask is, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? I don't care if it's, I don't care how long it is. Why am I doing this? And I've got this written in the back of my Bible, and I've quoted this before. By Matthew Henry, in all our choices, this principle should overrule us. That is best for us is that which is best for our souls. It doesn't mean that you don't know the Lord, but the Lord, there's protection in gathering together with people of like mind. There's protection in being amongst God's people. Acts chapter 13, one verse. So I don't know how long this is going to be, but that doesn't really matter. Nathan always tells me it doesn't matter. Now, there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas, and Simeon, that is called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Now let's go a few more verses. As they ministered to the, uh, to the Lord and fasted, and, and the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them away. Now, this historically what's going on here is the church had always been in Jerusalem. Historically, the church seems to have moved out of Jerusalem to Antioch. To Antioch. The missionary journeys of Paul would be initiated from this church now. And that's, that's kind of important. Why, you know, why do we 
why is the, the, the church, and, and I didn't, well, I'm not going to go into this, but I've read about everybody I could read on this, this passage. And one of the writers, Gil or somebody, made a comment. It may have been Adam Clark again. I, he's really been good lately. He said, the church is the ground and pillar of the truth, what Scripture says. And missionaries, they go out, they, they go out from a church. The church supports them, but it's, it's a local body. They just, just don't go and do their own thing. And that's why a lot of this stuff on the Internet or social media, and even before then, people just going out, oh, I feel like I'm called, and they're just going out. They've got no support, nobody behind them, and no church, no true church behind them. That's not scriptural. God's ways are gonna be God's ways are gonna be blessed. And obviously, this is the beginning of the, the New Testament church. It was at Antioch, not necessarily Jerusalem. Why? Well, one writer said, and I, I kind of think the same way, they initiated from this church. They're being ordained and sent out from this church at Antioch. Why Antioch? Well, this is the Gentile church. Perhaps, says one, and I, I agree with this, the exhortation that Christ said to the disciples to go out and witness to all the world perhaps was taken better at this church than at Jerusalem because they were, they were Jews and they're in Jerusalem and they're still and they're under persecution. But the Lord's moved this, his, his, uh, not his church is wherever he plants it. This church was still in Jerusalem. But this is a new, this is a transition, transition period, which acts as, as a, is a lot of that. But they're going out from Antioch. So they're sending the missionaries out, but they're sending them as representatives of this church. Whatever the reason, whatever the reason, we, we begin to see less of Peter and more of Paul, the disciple to the Gentiles. And that's most, a lot of that in Acts is that. He never forgets those whom he foreknew. But if they were... And they were being persecuted. If they, that the, the church in Jerusalem was hesitant, the Lord said, you've got to do this. And so they're doing it. They're doing it. Whatever the reason, we come upon certain men gifted, obviously in verse 1. That's what we're going to look at. Certain men gifted by God's grace to carry that one and only message of the grace of God and the glory of God into the known world. You know, Paul and Barnabas, they're going to, and they get Mark and John Mark, and they're going to go out and they're going to, they're going to preach the gospel. And as I looked at this verse, my mind, I looked at them like, who is this Menaean? In verse 1, who is this guy? Obviously, we know a little bit about Barnabas. We know a little bit about uh, Simon, that is called Niger, and, and Lucius. But who is this Menaean. And I got just fascinated. I was just like, this, it, the Lord brought it to my mind and my attention. This one brother called Menaean. And this is all that is said about him here in Acts 13.1. But what an amazing tale he could tell. What an amazing tale he could tell. This lesson, this story about this man, like anyone here who understands the grace of God, is a story about salvation, all of grace. It's a story about sovereign electing redemption. It's a story about distinguishing mercy received. And it's a story about gifts from the Holy Ghost to be used 
to the honor and edification of the Lord Jesus Christ and his early church. They sent them out, had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch and Saul. When they, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the, Lord, the Holy Spirit said, set me out a couple. But these other men, this uh, Simeon and Lucius, and Menaean. But we don't know anything about those others. But we know something about this man. And it speaks volumes. Notice with me a few things. It says that this man. Was brought. Uh, which had been brought up with Herod. The Tetrarch. Now look at the marginal reading. Look at the marginal reading in your Bible. This was Herod's foster brother. Okay, and oftentimes in the Jewish, or in the community back in then, back in those days, like uh, um, Hagar, you know, you had somebody with Moses was brought up, Pharaoh's daughter, you know, brought up in the same household. Okay, and so this is what Menaean, this is him. He is, uh, his mother is um, uh, in the household of Herod. The Tetrarch, now that word Herod, there's three or four different Herods. So this is specifically, we know, we know something about him in the scriptures too. So as our margin reads, Herod's, Herod's foster brother was this man, Menaean. I'm sure, I have to guess, like Moses, he was brought up in luxury. Would he not have been? This man, Herod, was being groomed. And, and, and uh, matter of fact, a lot of, of all the writers said that to this Menaean, it said that certain prophets and teachers, and they said he was a prophet and a teacher, and he prophesied that Herod would become king. His, his, his foster brother would become king. That's all the writers said that. I don't know. I do know that he was brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, or Herod Artippus is who this specifically is. He was brought up in luxury. Uh, you children need to listen to this too. Brought up in fine clothes. And I'm sure he had wholesome delicacies. Do, I don't know if we want for anything here. I know a lot of times us Americans don't. And you children, I'm sure there's the things that your folks would not like you to do, but it's no big deal, so you get to do them anyway. But we know Herod's lineage his dad was the murderer of hundreds of children under two years old. You remember that? We don't have to turn there. Matthew chapter 2, verse 16 through 18. That's why Joseph and Mary fled, because two years and under. This man's relation, Herod Artippus, his relation killed, because he was worried that there was going to be a king that was going to take his throne. According to historians... This Herod, Antipas, was a blemished administrator and character. I quote, spoiled, sly, ambitious, selfish, and destitute of principle. Uh, Ahasuerus was a Jewish historian. He wrote that. Well, if he didn't write that... Uh, our Lord Jesus Christ in Luke 13, 32 calls him a fox. Sly. Our, our Lord is speaking about this Herod. Calls him. So whether that, that, that's true in history, 
And we believe history sometimes. But whether that's true or not, our Lord calls him a fox. You go tell them that fox what you've seen and what you've heard. Luke chapter 13. This Menaean would have had most everything the heart could desire at that age. That wasn't told, probably wasn't told no, maybe he was. I'm sure he had fine clothes. He had all the, the things that aristocrat would, uh, would. When God removes his hand upon somebody like that, upon any sinners, but, but especially those who are rich and have all human comforts, their characteristic is usually sly, blemished, spoiled, ambitious, selfish, destitute of principle. That's usually what happens. If you have a lot of money and you don't ever have to worry about anything like that, when the Lord takes his hand off of them, that's usually how that's usually depravity takes over. That's why in James, which we we're, we're gonna we're there, that's why James says in, in James uh, chapter two. In verse, we haven't been there, we'll be there this week. Hearken, my brethren, uh, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? This is Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 5, verse 6. But you have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? They were extremely corrupt back then, and they're extremely corrupt now. Do they not blaspheme that worthy name by the which you are called? Yes. And he also, our, our Lord, warns us in Mark chapter 4 and verse 19. The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entered in, choked the word, and it became unfruitful. That's the parable of the, of the sower. The deceitfulness of riches. And I, I've been reading, it seems like I've read, every, every um, person on these uh, daily devotionals seems to be hammered on the deceitfulness of riches. It's not riches. It's not the gun that kills. It's the pre person behind it. And, but if you, if you have the ability to get anything you want at any time, without any exception, without any necessarily consequences your your lust the, the, the riches are going to deceive you they're going to deceive you it's the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in choke that's what happened to herod the foster brother of menaean and may i remind you that this herod was the one who beheaded John the Baptist. This is Herod is the one who beheaded John the Baptist. So that was the household that young Menaean was brought up in. But look at Acts 13. The Lord raised him out of that mess and was a help to the early New Testament church. Now, this is the second point I want us to look at. Yet you have here our brother, Menaean. Oh, the wonder of sovereign grace. One was let go his own way, Herod. The other snatched from the fire. One 
all manner of idolatry, wickedness, and surplus. The other cast his lot in with the lowly and downtrodden. Same as Moses. You have this with Moses. You have this with uh, Ruth and her uh, uh, sister-in-law. She said, you know, oh, we, we're going to go, your God's going to be our God. And then they went a little way, and then the other one went back. Never hear any more about her. Exodus says God put a separation between the redeemed and the judged, between the Egyptians and the Israel. God does that. So what did this guy do? What, did this, what made him so special? He was raised the same mother, the same father. He, they both nursed from the same breasts. Yes, all these different historical facts back then. They did this. They both did it. Yet one Lord redeemed and the other one he let go. It's all by God's grace. It's all by God's grace. Now, the reason why I talk with the children is without the murders, this this guy, this this Herod's pretty, I'd like to live like that. I'd like to be able to go outside and pick my choice of six or seven different cars, not have to worry about this or worry about that. You know, have a tutor do my homework for me. I'd like to have all that stuff, would you, at the expense of your soul? This is all we know about this man. But like I said, it tells a lot. He went from the court to the tent, this Menaean, dwelling with the people of grace in Jesus Christ. He let ambition go and was rather willing as Moses to suffer with the people of God. And he, Manaean, by divine and sovereign salvation and grace selection, now loves his Lord because his Lord first loved him. Manaean, which had been brought up with Herod, with Herod, he lived in court. He would have been a fine, well-educated man. He would have. He would have had all the all the the pleasures, and all access to the same thing that Herod had. He lived in court. He would have had uh, uh, heard of John the Baptist and perhaps heard John's message. He knew of John, was then in prison, and he was probably under, heard of his beheading. It says he was brought up in court. Then he might have known Joanna, you look this up, the wife of Chusa, Luke chapter 8, verse 3, and Luke chapter 24, verse 10, who ministered to Christ. This woman ministered to Christ is what it says in the scriptures. And was there with Mary at the resurrection site. He knew this woman because he was brought up in court. He was brought up in court, perhaps at the crucifixion where Christ was set at naught. But now he, not his foster brother, is in the Lamb's book of life. Oh, pri sometimes privileges are not blessings. They are cursings. In this case, it is. Now he is being used in the early church at Antioch. Now he is uh, together with the saints in light and having great gifts for the furtherance of Christ's everlasting gospel to be used of Christ. That's my desire for all of us here. Children, adults, 
to be used for the glory of God. Now, Menaean is a soldier of the cross, set in defense of the way of very truth that his favored, worldly speaking, foster brother despises. He despises. What an amazing story. What a marvel of the grace of God. I ask myself and I ask you, who do you wish to resemble? Who do you wish to resemble? Do you wish to have all that this world can give you and be destitute of the truth? Scripture says, what is the proper man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? You see, you're not going to hear this in school. You're going to hear, go, go, you, you got the world by the tail. And then you figure out, the, no, the world's got you by the tail. You don't have the world by the tail. You hear all these things, all these promises of success. Yes, it makes it easier. <laughs> we struggle with, with finances or whatever. whatever you, we struggle, you know, it's like, yes, it makes life easier. But it's better to be poor with the gospel than it is to be rich without it. Because riches are deceivable. It helps pay the lights, but that's why we gather together. We congregate together. And what does grace and the blood of Christ do for a man, a woman, a boy, or a girl? Well, this, this, this man, Menaean, his, his name means consoler, comforter. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing with the church. Every time he gets together, if he's a, if he's a teacher and he speaks or if he prophesies of something in the future, it's to comfort and to console his God's people. He, by the enabling of the blessed spirit, uses his gifts to the benefit of the church. I'm sure his neighbors were better for it, but this is specifically talking about the church at Antioch and what he's doing for them. He renounces worldly ambition. He renounces worldly wealth, and he renounces worldly applause. That's what he found in court. That's all the court could give him. It couldn't give him spiritual life. But Christ did. Christ can. And he can do the same with those who hear and submit to the gospel. He stands with his brethren who themselves were also called freely by God's sovereign grace, found only in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what this, this book says about worldlings and the, and the believers? It says this, <clears throat> of whom the world was not worthy. Of whom the world is not worthy. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't, it shouldn't fill you with pride. Because if we have the grace of God, if we have Christ, we understand Christ, he's made us to differ. He's chose us. We didn't choose him. But this world, did the court keep having surplus and everything the heart could wish? Exactly. Because this is the second. There was three or four Herods. And then I read the history about this man. You know, it's like. He served out, and then he had to flee because somebody was trying to kill him, and then he had to do this, and then the, the people, you know, and the Herod before him, insurrection, murders, coups, all these different things. You want that? The world's not worthy. The world's a rat race, as we say. The world is not worthy of the believer. So this man came out of court, was brought up in court, went out 
and sought those who were like-minded, who we could fellowship with. So I close. May we be found, even as this man, Menaean, was a new creature in Christ Jesus. Because, yes, you have to make a living. But if you're Christ, he says he's, sla- he's, he's given people for you. He's going to take care of you. There's no question about that. That's, we question that. But there's no question. But this man, like Moses, had it all. Luxury. Anything the heart could wish for. But if you're... God's creatures are not satisfied with just what this world can give them. There's a void. And I pray that the Lord would bring a void in our hearts. That we would we just we, we be friend, you know, friends kind of with the world and understanding this and that. And I know we've got to speak the truth to them. But at a distance. The world is going to go on whether you're here or not. The world, the jobs are still going to be here. Whether you're the best, the best person at that job or not, that's not what it's about. Menaean, he sought out and was found by Christ. Christ found him. Destitute, all the world could offer, didn't satisfy him. Why? Because of the grace of God. I pray that for us. And, and don't think once the Lord saves you, this is, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. No, the world... <laughs> The world tugs and tugs and tugs. But may we, by God's grace, follow his example and be useful to this church, this place, and his cause. Matt, would you close this, please?